there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Oh, boy. The World Health Organization, the United Nations, UNICEF, they have got a bad headache right now because they they have been found out, Dr. Bittar, the vaccines that they promote to save the children, the people of planet Earth, particularly in Africa, have been found Mm -hmm. to contain an ingredient that stimulates termination Uh of pregnancies that even haven't occurred yet. You know how we've been talking about the mm-hmm. fact that these vaccines are being used for population reduction or, uh, you know, global agendas to keep population at bay or reduce it? This is right. stunning information that's now being revealed. Well, I'm, I'm a little confused with this article, too, because I'm looking at it, and they're talking about that the vaccine delays with human chorionic gonadotropin. Right. And human chorionic gonadotropin is actually what is measured when they assess a woman whether she's pregnant or not. That's what they use to assess pregnancy. Correct, yes. And what they're finding so, is that by the, in, in, the introduction of this form of HGG in the vaccines, that they're stimulating some form of antibody or antigen response to HCG so that when uh, a pregnancy occurs and an implantation occurs and HCG goes up, that somehow the targeting of the uh, the fertile cell, the cell that has been fertilized now, is attacked, and uh, ultimately what happens is a, a spontaneous abortion, so to speak. A miscarriage occurs. Gotcha, yeah, okay. Yeah, this is, this is uh, sinister, I would say. This definitely falls into the category of sinister. Yeah, nefarious, sinister, all of that. You know, the things that we've been saying for years, and of course those in the so-called mainstream of uh, of the official stories of thought out there said, you know, you guys are just kind of saying things that are not backed up by anything. And now, I mean, this is coming from like a big Catholic league out there, which claims to not be for abortion, yet finding out that their promotion of vaccines has induced mm-hmm. abortions. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's interesting that they're saying that nobody's refuting it. The United Nations did not refute the findings and did not try to say that, you know, didn't question the laboratory testing or methodology. Um, they essentially admitted and confirmed that ATG was present, but instead of taking responsibility, they claimed that it was a contamination. And that's interesting because how can you be contaminated? How can anything be contaminated with even chorionic gonadotropin? It's not like it's not like something that just sprouts up somewhere. You know what I mean? Right. It just jumped into the syringe when we weren't looking. I mean, that's just not the way it happens. Especially when they ran multiple analyses on different batches and found them all quote unquote contaminated with something that, of course, wouldn't be possible if you were to say it was an accident in one batch. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's. That's again, you know, this just kind of comes back to the CDC aspect when we talked about the um, uh, manipulation of the data and when asked about, well, why is it that the exclusion criteria was uh, based upon birth certificates for the black children 
the necessity for having birth certificates for the black children in the study versus the white children not needing the birth certificates. You remember that uh, right. dialogue that we had a couple weeks back? And they didn't refute the issue. They just said, well, we were trying to collect demographic information, which was absurd because the type of demographic information that they were trying to collect is not available on any birth certificate. So it, it's interesting. You see that they know that they can't refute it, but they instead distract from the truth. They, it's almost like a um, the um, what's it called when, when you when you call it a distraction and to hopefully create somebody else to uh, you hopefully create a stimulus so the people start looking at the other stimulus where well it's where a diversion it's yeah they call diversion. it it's a tactic called diversion right exactly. And and yes, they, they what can they do because they've been caught dead to rights in here. And here you've got these Kenyan Catholic doctors and Kenya's Catholic bishops charging the United Nations organizations with sterilizing millions of the girls in their country under the cover of anti-tetanus vaccination program. And, you know, I, I know that you don't do these kind of shots, nor do I, but the idea of a tetanus vaccine even is usually they do in response to somebody had just gotten, you know, the whole theoretical rusty nail, never mind that it's caused by contaminated feces that you stepped on that has direct access to the blood, for instance. But that aside, it's a pretty rapid vaccine thing. I think it's done within, you know, either one, two or three shots, but right away, it's not you're waiting over five, five years like they're doing it or even two years like they're doing it here. So everything about this would be designed to ensure ensure that they could get some sort of antigen response to HCG based on this. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. And I like the way that um, in this particular article, they list the, the criminal activity uh, from this action. So they have it listed as the, the first crime, no informed consent, second crime, race-based genocide, third crime, the deliberate killing the intentional killing of human beings. The fourth crime is violation of Geneva Convention limitations in medical experimentation, and the fifth crime crimes against women. So uh, it, it, you know, they, they're not sugarcoating it in this article. Actually, this is a National News article. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, it links out, and there's a secondary link out to uh, the story uh, that's talking about the Catholic bishops that have targeted this, but uh, the way it's framed here is a little more direct because we've been covering this so many years that it's not, it's almost, it's really not a surprise. Perhaps it is somewhat shocking, again, when you think about how uh, uh, brazen they are in, in doing this, that they thought maybe we wouldn't get caught, but now that we have, let's just try to divert the attention and look somewhere else. Last hour... Dr. Batar, we talked about a story of the drug called Abilify, which was which has made six point nine billion dollars in sales in the U.S. alone over the last year. And yet they admit the FDA admits they have no idea how it works. They don't know the mechanism of action. (laughs) And yet it was approved. And then they claim when we talk about a supplement doing something that we're the ones who are not scientific. Yeah, that's true. Um, It's interesting to this article. Uh, not to distract from the actual article itself or the subject, but on that fifth crime, I'm sorry, that's going to come on the, uh, which one would it be? I guess it would be the third crime, the deliberate intentional killing of human beings. Um, the five vectors for destroying humanity, part of this article, but now they're talking from a general perspective, the five vectors uh, used 
to destroy mankind are listed as one, vaccines, two, viruses, three, foods, four, water, and five, chemtrails, the atmospheric deployment of various types of chemicals. Now, if we were, can, can we kind of go into this? Because I like this, uh, I like this topic because it's more, it's more general and more uh, applicable to everybody listening here. Because I don't know whether we have a lot of people from Africa listening to the show, Robert. Is that is yeah, that okay? we we do have some, but it's probably not the largest audience we have around the world. So yeah, absolutely, I think it's important to discuss this. Yeah, so I think vaccines, we've beaten them over the head anyway. So pretty much everybody that listened to us for, um, I guess in February of next year, it'll be, what, five years? Or we'll be starting our fifth year, right? We'll have to check with Super Don, keep us up on dates so I like that, because we're, yeah, we're all a bunch of guys. You know, if we ask our wives, they'll know the date, the time, and the place, and the minute and the second. But we'll be like, eh, yeah. what year was it? <laughs> right, 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 right. You're right. No, I, I'm almost certain that we started uh, in 2000, February 2011, mm-hmm. in which case then February 2015 would be the launch of our fifth year. Wow, stunning. I'm telling you, the, the kind of information that we've been able to deliver, I, thank thank God it's still available because uh, I wouldn't want any of it to go to waste. Well, um, so the point being the vaccines we've quite uh, effectively, I think, discussed the various aspects from the vaccines, mm-hmm. from the vaccine perspective, at least as far as the, uh, as a vector for destroying humanity. Sure. We have somewhat talked about viruses, but you know it's interesting that they've listed viruses here separately because I would put opportunistics down here. I'm not sure why they put viruses down separately, not bacteria, spirochetes, mycoplasma, yeast, etc. Why mm-hmm. specifically virus? Maybe it's because uh, the virus can be grafted and you can actually create mutations within the virus. Maybe that's what the intention of the author was. I'm not certain. I, I'm pretty sure uh, you're right on that that uh, supposition because, of course, as we've seen the strangeness of Ebola, uh, how there's evidently evidence of some tampering on a genetic uh, basis in that regard. So it's right now in the consciousness of the readers. Right. Definitely for uh, the readers or for the listeners, H1N1 is a perfect example of a man-made virus which, of course, they haven't claimed that, but you know that Baxter owned the patent to H1N1 nine or ten months prior to the first documented case of H1N1. So the first question is, how did they know ten months before that mm-hmm. there would be such a thing as a outbreak of H1N1? And two, how do you patent a freaking virus? Yeah. Well, you patent a virus if you're going to have a solution for the virus, theoretically. And um, so anyway, we've got all these types of, um, you know, this type of nonsense going on out there. Uh, coming back, coming back to the list of the five vectors. The third one, food. Interesting because that's where GMOs would fall under. Uh, yes. That's where the homogenization and pasteurization of food would fall underneath that category. Uh, water, long-standing debate on water. But uh, if you remember Hulda Clark, one of the issues that she had, especially in Africa, coming back to Africa, was the use of chlorine in water. Mm-hmm. And the you know the various techniques, bromide, chlorine, um, purify water essentially. And we also know that in the industrialized world, the use of fluoride in water, right, uh, is another. All the, ha- the halides r- really mess with our endocrine system and higher functions. Yeah, exactly. Not to mention the musculoskeletal system, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as far as development and such, right? And then the fifth one which is 
considered to be a conspiratorial type of notion is this chemtrails. And I've got some great pictures I should send you, Robert, that I took while taking my son to school. And we leave pretty early in the morning. And it's very distinct. You can see these chemical trails. But within 30 minutes, by the time we get to the school, they actually just look like clouds that are kind of blowing because they're kind of widening. They get lighter in color. But right. when you first see them, they're distinct. Yeah, and then they disperse. Well, let's talk about these five vectors for attempting to destroy or curtail the growth of humanity on planet Earth. What humans will do to other humans? Are they lizard humans? I don't know, but they're certainly not behaving as high spiritual, let's say, consciousness type human beings. We'll stick around. We've got Dr. Batar for some more advanced medicine here. Medical Rewind continues after this break. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Yeah, this is the place for health, freedom, and healing liberty. Dr. Rasha Bittar and I are RSB here. Uh, bringing it to you each and every week. MedicalRewind.com, also a place where you can get these archives really easily and plug into information you will hear probably really nowhere else, especially not in this way. And Dr. Batar, you're picking out those five vectors for uh, the destruction of humanity from the article we were covering. And the one you were referencing at the end there was the, the whole concept of chemtrails. Now, it's not only those that are spraying out of these these planes, but of course any kind of airborne pollution that can be inhaled or even absorbed through the skin is going to be dangerous. But man, oh man, when you do see these distinct sprays coming off of the back of jets, which is not the same as a contrail, dissipating into the atmosphere, you know, coming down. I've actually been under those things where I had this metallic taste on my lips when, you know, after being outside in that, I don't want to be. And then I noticed there's a metallic taste. It's like, this is not right. This is just not what should be happening. Well, I've never experienced that myself, but when I'm looking up at the sky and you start seeing these paths that are being uh, carved out in the sky and they're so uniform. So my son actually said to me, I obviously said, Dad, that's uh, this from planes, isn't it? I said, yeah, but how many times have you seen planes flying in that pattern, meaning like nine planes in a perfect, unless they're like fighter jets, but there's no fighter jets at 7 o'clock in the morning over... You know, unless they're doing some kind of a demonstration or something like that, you just don't see that. And I said, how many times have you seen planes flying that pattern? He goes, never. And I said, that's the point. So look at that. That's not natural. The first question is, is that natural or not? No, it's actually not natural. It's interesting, though, within how 20, 30 minutes, that same residue, as it starts to dissipate and billows out, you think it's just normal clouds. But in, in fact, when you see it early enough, and it's, it's very strategically done at certain times, too, when you don't notice it, when you don't tend to notice it, but this is the third time that I've had the opportunity to actually observe these and videotape them. And it's very, very disturbing, the, the pattern that you see. It's just mm. not anything that, that, that you would see naturally occurring. So yeah. it has to be chemtrails. And then again, the question that comes up next is, what's the purpose of them? You know, are they trying to fertilize the ground? Are they trying to nutrients to help enhance our well-being or what are they doing up there right and who's spending the money to do it yeah and and you know if if you look at this story that kind of stimulated this discussion 
the idea that they would put HCG in a vaccine to stimulate antigen response against this hormone, then you got to say, well, no, they're not likely doing it to enhance our health. That would be an unreasonable assumption. Right, even though it would be, it would be a positive assumption, mm-hmm. and it's good to look for the positive. We know that, unfortunately, pretty much when the government does something, whether it's intentional or not, it's not beneficial. It's usually detrimental. Right. Why? And what, and what, would, what would they spray on us from above to make it? I mean, doesn't nature know what to do with rain and sunshine? I mean, you know, man's going to come in there and his arrogance to say, well, I'll spray something over him. It'll make everybody better. Exactly. And this is the nature of man. This is the yeah. nature of, you know, I, actually, it's interesting that we talk about the nature of man and how man comes in and pretty much destroys everything, destroys the environment, destroys the ecological balance that's necessary for any type of sustainability Man pretty much ruins everything. But, Robert, I would introduce another word to replace man. Okay. And I would say it would be organized man. Organized man, okay. Yeah, meaning government. Well, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, if you go into business and say, here's what we want to do, we want to form a business and we want to go up in airplanes and spray toxic chemicals and heavy metals and aluminum on the people – They'd say, what are you, nuts? Who's going to pay for that, right? Nobody. Right. But governments would. They're in, engaged in killing and genocidal activities throughout history. This has been the case. And, uh, you know, if you don't know that yet, you either haven't learned from history or you're in some state of delusion and you're probably taking a billify. Now, there's another issue right, on, right, the, on, exactly. the, on, on the vaccination issue. They're now finding this so-called scary super virus, enterovirus D68, which used to be a normal enterovirus that's now maybe killing some kids, maybe. They're saying that the kids who are not vaccinated are not having any problem with this at all. It's only happening in vaccinated children. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe, maybe organized man may not be the best term, but I'm thinking something like civilized organized man. Civilized. <laughs> something yeah. like that. You know, yeah. if you think about it, it's, it's exactly what you just said. We need, to, we need to start to observe what's going on around us and understand what is the agenda because anybody who wants to make money would never do that exactly yeah Yeah, this is not a free market thing to spray people with toxic chemicals from the skies all right stick around we've got lots more healing to go on the robert scott bell show with dr rasha batar it's advanced medicine get his book the international bestseller the nine steps to keep the doctor away we'll try to take some calls after the break as well so stick around we'll be right back you're listening to the robert scott bell show the Robert Scott Bell Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to the greatest show on earth. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. Alive. It's alive. The masked man who outsmarted you on your gang is none other than Robert Scott Bell. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Robert Scott Bell. You see, we're on a mission from God. Yeah, revealing those facts and bringing the truth out as well. Uh, Dr. Rasha Bittar here, Advanced Medicine, each and every week. And, of course, MedicalRewind.com. Check it out there. Links are up at robertscottbell.com. 
Hey, Dr. Patar, we, you know, we briefly talked to uh, Tom from Virginia on the break. It kind of got us thinking about detox, right? We're talking about the poisoning through many vectors affecting humanity, affecting individuals, of course. And we both, I certainly was impacted in my young life on it, which is why I turned my life towards detox as a primary mechanism. And you with the book that you've written, we'll talk about. But the concept of detox, it's still foreign to allopathic medicine. Yeah, it is. It is uh, very important to allopathic medicine. And I think perhaps because there's so many different ways to skin that cat, and so it's not as easy to patent or uh, monopolize the process of getting the body clean. Perhaps that's one reason that modern allopathic medicine doesn't give it and the, the credence that it really deserves. But uh, I do agree with you that modern medicine does not give enough emphasis, in fact, not even uh, a mere pittance to what it really should give towards uh, detoxification, how important it is, the, the, the crucial role that detoxification plays in our well-being and our health. Well, and it's the opposite. I mean, they focus on intoxication you know, with everything that they give that's approved by the government in this case that has side effects as they always list them and we you know we, you hear them and they're more horrific than the disease you've been given the drug for and then if you come and say hey i went to the health food store and i got some milk thistle i got some dandelion i got some homeopathics here to detox your doctor looks at you with a blank stare you know not you or you know some that you've trained but you know what i'm saying in a, in a in a sense it's 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 foreign to their training even though they know what a liver is yeah this comes back to this comes back to my intolerance for physicians. <laughs> Sorry, I brought that up. Sorry. Right. Well, I, I don't know, Robert. I don't even know what to say. This is the one reason that I do not admit in public, in a social setting, that I'm a doctor. I don't talk about that. And, you know, in the, uh, I don't wear name tag at conferences. You know, it's so funny. I probably haven't worn a name tag at a conference in over, Seven years, and still people pick me out, and and these are medical conferences. But I right. just don't like being recognized as a doctor most of the time. Ninety percent of the time, I just don't like being recognized because it's it's actually embarrassing the way medicine has progressed. I, I thought it was because that last conference you went to, Ty Bollinger put on a, a thing on your back that said "kick me," and he said, "Oh, that that was just your name badge. That was all it was." No, it's okay. I, I don't mind being kicked every now and then. It's always <laughs> woken up, right? Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, a kick or two never hurt anybody. That, yeah, it depends on where it is, of course. But you know, the, the kick right. we're talking about, of course, to whoever is ready to wake up. Uh, you say kick in the head to these doctors who really are poisoning the people. And you know, we get a call like Tom on the break we just took, and he's got a ninety-four-year-old dad, and you know, he's at assisted living, may not be able to see a physician such as yourself or someone who's been trained in intravenous chelation, detoxification therapies, and. You know, your book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, I'm thinking if he had read it, maybe he has, I don't know, but read it again because there's so much more than IV therapies to detox. I mean, there's a lot more. Yeah, so let's talk about detox just as a general concept because obviously that question shows uh, there's a lot of confusion. So the word detox, a person may think, oh, I'm going to go detox. And so it's a detox, it's, it's like it's something to do. It's there's a specific thought process, whatever the individual's thought process is of detox, whatever that word, the connotation of that word is in their mind. But 
let's define what detox means, okay? Detox means to get out of the body what isn't supposed to be there. Detox is a general term similar to the general term transportation, meaning that there's a way to transport yourself from one place to another place. Now, a car is a mode of transportation, a tricycle is a mode of transportation, a Learjet is a mode of transportation, and then when you talk about cars or Learjets or when you talk about jets, cars, tricycles, you have different types of tricycles, you have different types of cars, you have different models of cars, and within the different models of cars, you have different, um, um, I'm sorry, first of all, different makes of cars and different makes of cars, and you have different models within those makes, and then you may have different sizes of engines within those particular models within those particular makes of cars. So the point being, when you talk about transportation and you say, well, I'm going to transport, I'm going to transport myself from here to China. Well, are you going to take a jet? Are you going to drive a car? Are you going to you know, take a submarine? Are you going to drive a tricycle? It's a huge difference. So people have to understand that the word detoxification is like the word transportation. It's very generous, very general. It's a generic term. Now when you start thinking about this gentleman that just called, you know, his, in his mind, detox was chelation. Chelation is just one modality of toxicity. Chelation is only addressing one modality of toxicity, which is metals. There's many other modalities of uh, toxicity, and they also have to be addressed. To think that chelation is going to solve your problem is misguided. It's not, it's not going to work that way because you're being exposed to all different... It's like thinking, oh, well, tricycles are more transportation. I'm going to take a tricycle from here to China. That's a misguided thing because it's a thought process because it's going to take you a couple of lifetimes to get from here to China in a tricycle. Hmm. So we have to start to you know, put this word of detox into a conceptual, uh, a conceptually digestible um, morsel, I guess you can call it. I'm not, right. In other words, we have, to, we have to make it so that an individual can actually process what that means. And everybody has their own impression of what detoxification means. So now we talk about a gentleman that's in his mid-90s that's confined uh, to an assisted facility and what type of detoxification is available to them. And I think that the, the listener had immediately jumped to the aspect of chelation. Or maybe, Robert, you jumped to the word of chelation. I'm, I don't know who somebody jumped to. Somewhere along the line we came down from chelation, I mean, from um, detoxification to heavy metals alone. But remember, sure. heavy metals is just one of, in my philosophy, just one of seven toxicities. Well, emotional psychological toxicity is probably the most significant one in cancer, for example, and many chronic diseases. And even though you can address the heavy metals and persistent organic pollutants and get rid of them and turn off the cancer, if you don't deal with the emotional psychological one, you're not going to fix the problem. The foods, for example, you know, that's the, that's the sixth one, and it's not the types of foods, but it's what we do to the foods. And the seventh one is spiritual toxicity. The fourth one is energetic toxicity, exposure to electromagnetic radiation, Wi-Fi, ambient um, types of uh, radiation that we're not even aware that we're being exposed to. So there's so many different types of toxicity. That's the first and foremost thing. If this particular individual is concerned about heavy metals, then we need to specify that they're concerned about getting detoxified for heavy metals. You can't just say detoxification and think that's going to happen. I, I had an amazing experience this past week, and I was, when I say amazing, I mean, I was amazed that I would hear a person, a healthcare provider, say this. This was a, at a, a conference, a medical conference in Atlanta, actually Dr. Harvard's conference, and I lectured there 
And uh, this person comes up to me, a healthcare provider, and she says, you know, well, I, I had my heavy metals addressed, Dr. Bittar, but, you know, I'm, after your lecture, I just started realizing maybe, maybe I need to do it again. I said, well, what do you mean you had it addressed? Well, she, I, I had my heavy metals taken out. Really? Okay, so what did you do? And I'm expecting you to tell me she had this treatment, that treatment, right? She says, well, I took, um, what did she say? I took some, some minerals, and she took an herbal detox support for a month and a half, and she felt that all her heavy metal issues were taken care of. I said, excuse me, a month and a half? Wow. I said, well, did you do any of the products? This is a healthcare provider. And then I asked her, do you have any fillings in your mouth? Yes, about five, maybe six. And I then have to tell her, listen, you're outgassing five to nine nanograms per deciliter per tooth per day for however many days you've had those amalgams in your mouth. Oh, that's since I was a teenager. And you think that taking a couple of herbs and a couple of vitamins is going to, for a month and a half, is going to detox you from your heavy metal issue? It's just absurd. You, this is a lifelong process. It's like saying, I have worked right. out once when I was in college, and uh, so I'm, exercise I'm is riding on that. Yeah, I don't need to exercise anymore. I think about that. If you could pull all that out of your system in a month and a half, I think you'd die. I mean, it, you want to talk about a radical detox. That, be, you, you, you know, very few life forms on Earth could, could withstand that kind of rapid detox. It would be like G-force acceleration of the body splitting apart. Yeah, it's actually... The Nernst equation is a is a um, physiological principle that basically says the body will not allow itself to undergo uh, change so rapidly that it would actually induce harm. You know, in other words, it's like a self-preservation system. And some of these IV pushes that we've talked about with IV chelation, it violates the Nernst equation because it 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 overrides that that component. Mm-hmm. So what you're talking about is really uh, part and parcel of that. I don't know if any treatment that could actually even even like Rish Analucite, that is a very potent chelator. Uh, it has uh, 20% mortality, but it's very effective at pulling out metals. It used to be used as uh, the antidote to nerve agent during World War II, but even that couldn't pull out metals that fast in a month and a half. I mean, that's just right. unbelievable. But what the absurdity to me was that this is a healthcare provider thinking that this is an alternative healthcare provider, an integrative approach. Uh, individuals that believe in integrative approach actually thought that she had, within a month and a half, taken some vitamins and some herbs eliminated all our heavy metals. And it was just, it was shocking to me, that mm-hmm. level of unawareness. So, yes. you know, if this is a lay person, I can, I can say, okay, well, you know, they need to be educated. But this was a provider, and not just a conventional provider, a provider that's supposedly holistically oriented. Well, and, so and which is... Talk. Yeah, which is why we don't want to assume just because they have a degree that they actually know more than you. In many cases, uh, they've been made dangerous because of what they have learned. Listen, we're almost up on a break. And, and real quick, I've got a question of the day, and we might not be able to get fully into it. But it was just a question about uh, constipation. That This woman, Mary, claims that she's gone to GI, gastrointestinal doctors, pediatricians. They're all saying, in her mind, that Miralax is the safest remedy for constipation, that magnesium can cause death. I'm like, I don't think I've heard that. From a, even from a doctor, but maybe you can comment on that. We'll do a little bit more discussion of detox. There's actually an interesting story, if we can get to it, about a woman whose heart had stopped for 45 minutes and then restarted by itself. You want to talk miracles? That's also part of the equation of life. Stick around. Medical Rewind continues with Dr. Rashid Bittar here and RSB, robertscottbell.com. 
and linked out to the international bestseller, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. Please, please read it and reread it. We'll be right back. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, talking detox with Dr. Batar, of course, uh, I you know, encourage you to read the book. So many times I say it, uh, and, and you got to do it. And there's so many layers to detox. And this last question of the day we were just covering uh, about uh, constipation. I mean, there's auto-intoxication from uh, material in the body that's just lodged in there not moving on out. That'll compound toxicity any day of the week. And this woman saying that she's gone to doctors that told her that Miralax, which is, I, I, I don't know if it's over, over-the-counter prescription, but it's a drug product is better than magnesium i'm thinking you know and then they say magnesium will kill you i know you've had so much experience over the years even as an er physician of how wonderful magnesium is what's your perspective dr batar well i would find it very difficult to believe despite how ridiculous some doctors can be and how idiotic some doctors can be that i would Mm -hmm. would still have a very hard time believing that a doctor would say that magnesium will kill you um, because that's, you know, I mean, that would, that's just an absurdity for any doctor to say, because, I mean, even in advanced cardiac life support, one of the first lines of drug therapy is magnesium. Uh, for Torsad, that's the only thing that will work, and that's the only thing that the American College of Cardiology, the American Heart Association, will recognize as uh, an effective therapy for Torsad. And, um, you know, that's a life-threatening uh, arrhythmia. So that I, I would just find it very difficult for a doctor to, to be that big of a buffoon to actually make that type of statement, because that would even even among any doctor that is worth their weight in salt, they know that that's a ridiculous comment. Because intracellular um, magnesium is one of the most important things. Without you know, you've got sodium and chloride, the extracellular. Uh, ions and magnesium and potassium, the intracellular ions. So, again, I, I have a hard time believing that a doctor would say that. But sure, sure. But if they did, I mean, what would you say? I'm sorry, say that again. Well, if they if they did, if they told somebody that, of course, you know, it's absurd. Uh, and we 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 do have to deal with a whole constipated culture. You know, I was hospitalized as a child and I was given an enema. You know, right. you know, there are ways to go besides drugs that can get things moving again. Okay, so as far as the solution, if somebody's constipated, the, the easiest thing, the best thing, the most effective thing that I've found, in fact, we have a combination of this in our office, it's already made up in a powder form, uh, is vitamin C and magnesium. And we say, you know, take take that. Take half a teaspoon twice a day. Well, Dr. Trump, that's not working. Well, go up to half a teaspoon three times a day, or four times a day, or five times a day, or go up what? to two teaspoons or three teaspoons. I guarantee you it's going to make you go. Yeah, and, and don't forget the water, of course. Don't forget the water because a lot of this is sure. dried out material in there that needs to be rehydrated and moved on uh, out very rapidly. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things. When a person is constipated, it's because there's been they're basically chronically dehydrated. There's not enough water within the stool, so it becomes hard and compacted. And so, by hydrating, it actually allows the stool to become expand. It allows it to expand, become softer, and it can actually pass. So that's obviously the first thing you want to hydrate take magnesium and vitamin C, and that is the most natural way. But here's an even better way, because what you don't want to do is, you see, when you start taking things with a lot of uh, 
ingredient in most of these fiber complexes. It's uh, not cellulose, but the uh, well, you're talking about like the metamucils of the world, where they where they put the uh, uh, what the heck is the fiber that they use? Now I'm drawing a blank on it too. Must be the end of the show. Yeah, it's, it's highly <laughs> irritating to the colon, and then it also causes a people become addicted to it or they need it and it's dependent upon it. What is it? Uh, oh my goodness, I can't even remember what it is now. But anyway, there's certain components within most of these high fiber uh, powders that are they're irritating to the colon and they rely upon the irritation to the gut to cause a bowel movement to occur. And you don't want to do that because that's not good. So so the steps that you should take if you are constipated, okay, first and foremost, hydration, hydration, hydration. Secondly, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Third, hydrate some more, all right? Fourth, start movement. Start exercising. Start walking, running, doing some type of activity where the body is moving. Deep breathing, in and out, inhalation, exhalation. That type of motion will help to facilitate the peristaltic natural movements of your bowel, but it'll enhance it. So exercising, in fact, one of the one of the most common things done in certain cultures after you eat a meal, especially a big meal, is you take a walk. And that walk mm. helps to digest the food. Right. And then but, third is magnesium and vitamin C. Vitamin C excellent. And by the way, I think psyllium was the word we were looking for. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, they bulk it up. Yeah, uh, that's it. All right, Dr. Batar, thank you for another wonderful edition of Advanced Medicine. Go to medicalrewind.com if you missed any. Of course, our syndicator, GCN, and naturalnewsradio.com. All around planet Earth, this is the place where we remind you that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Show. 